0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. And a warm welcome to the program with Karen Cho and me, Jeff Cutmore. Let's get into your headlines. Standard Chartered Struggles in Hong Kong Trade as the Asia-focused lender misses on the bottom line, despite full-year pre-tax profit more than doubling. We will catch up with the CEO, Bill Winters, in just a few moments. Dividend takeoff: Airbus resumes its dividend for the first time in two years after the French Aerospace Group hosts a record full-year profit. The CEO, Guillaume Fauré, will join us on CNBC later this morning, 11 central European time, for that conversation.
1: Wall Street sees another volatile session, but major indices close virtually flat as Fed minutes showed little support for aggressive tightening. Elsewhere, the U.S. says Russia is adding thousands of troops to the Ukrainian border, not withdrawing them, while Ukraine's president also calls into question Moscow's claims.
2: We're
0: seeing a large concentration of troops. It hasn't changed over the last week. We're seeing some small rotations. I wouldn't call these rotations a pullback of Russian troops. So, very warm welcome, everybody. Uh, We're going to catch up with uh, Standard Charter's Bill Winters in just a few moments. But we just had numbers come through from Commerce Bank, so let me give you those first. And, of course, uh, you'll uh, remember that uh, Commerce Bank was recently in the news flow a little as there was this talk from Christian Linder, the uh, German finance minister, about the state reducing its holding in uh, commerce bank uh, that did have an impact on recent trade in the share price but the results here let's just give you a line the group uh, revenue in 2021 up at uh, 8.5 billion euros as against the 8.2 billion for the year ago period the operating uh, result in at 1.2 billion as against the 230 33 million negative for 2020 net result positive at 430 million despite restructuring charges and increased provisions uh, for Swiss franc loans Uh, the net result of uh, more than 1 billion euro and a dividend payment planned for 2020 in terms of capital levels common tier one equity ratio improved to 13.6 percent analysts had been looking for a net profit of 81 million euros uh, on the uh, uh, fourth quarter so that number coming in well ahead of the expectation on the fourth quarter but we'll go back to these numbers a little bit later on and give you a bit more detail when we catch up with the CFO Bettina Orlot that conversation 750 central european time it's a first on CNBC So Standard Chartered uh, has missed full year forecast, despite posting a pre-tax profit of $3.3 billion, more than double the year before. The lender also announced a $750 million share buyback, but flagged its turnaround is taking longer than expected amid the considerable challenges of the pandemic. Bill Winters is the CEO of Standard Chartered. Bill, a very good morning to you, and thanks so much for, for coming to us. Look, this, this one will go into the book as an undershoot, but I, I would guess that you're pretty pleased with the doubling of the profit number.
2: Yeah, first of all, Jeff, thanks for having me. Uh, actually, we had a very strong and resilient 2021. Uh, we returned to growth in the second half of the year, which was a little bit better than I think many had expected. Uh, that together with, with good, strong growth in our underlying businesses is very encouraging. Uh, as you point out in your header, we, had some, uh, we made some adjustments in Q4, non-cash charges, uh, which were, were no big surprise, I don't think, and, uh, and very understandable. Uh, but the underlying momentum of the business is strong, and maybe more importantly, we announced a series of actions that we're taking today. To make sure that we can get to our 10% return on tangible equity target, I think sooner than uh, than most people had expected. So by 2024, and we're going to do that by focusing on the way that we allocate capital, starting with a $750 million buyback today and and an increasing dividend. Uh, we talked about the steps we're taking to improve the the returns on our key corporate banking business, our, our CCIB business, uh, together with productivity steps that we're taking across the board and a stepped-up investment in, in some of our key growth markets, not least China, where we think we can double our profits. So uh, I would think that, that on balance, uh, our shareholders will look at our, our resilient performance in 2021, a, a solid start to 2022, and the very concrete actions that we're taking to accelerate our transformation and, and get to the, uh, to, to the targeted return levels uh, sooner than the market had been expecting as a, as a very good thing.
0: Bill there are things you can control and there are things that you can't control and you can't control the pattern of omicron and the way authorities are dealing with it in the respective emerging economies that you operate in could you just share with us some some thoughts about that and to what extent many of those economies like China that looked like leaders in the pandemic's early stages now seem to be a little bit of a drag on global activity what what's your read on the Omicron story and its impact on you over the first half of this year.
2: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that this this uh, this virus is is, if anything, unpredictable and uh, and pervasive. So uh, we're we're clearly feeling a a drag in the short term in Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong has had a surge in cases, as we've seen. Uh, we've uh, had about a third of our branches uh, closed. That's common across the banking industry as a health precaution, and, uh, and that will clearly have some impact on activity in the early part of the year. Uh, China by contrast is, it continues to be very strong, but of course China itself is a tale of, of two cities. There's actually reasonable underlying growth. It's still totally a driver of global growth, uh, and we expect will continue to be so to, to an, in an outsized way over the coming years. Uh, but at the same time, we know that there's real, there were pressures, in particular, in the commercial real estate market. And uh, we took some impairments in the fourth quarter, fourth quarter uh, with, uh, with, with some overlay provisions as well, recognizing some of the risks there. But despite that, despite the, the, the provisions and, uh, and the overlay, uh, we had a substantial increase in our profits in Hong Kong and are projecting further increase. So, uh, yes, Omicron is with us. Uh, yes, it, it is continuing to wreak havoc on communities where we operate. There will be some economic impact, and there is already, uh, but we think that's relatively short term. And of course, we're encouraged by the re- relatively quick recoveries that we've seen in other markets that have had their Omicron wave, and not least the UK and the US.
1: Hi Bill, it's Karen jumping in. I just wanted to ask you about the impact of interest rates. I can see in the commentary today 5 to 7% underlying growth and a further 3% from rising interest rates. Just what does that 3% take into account in terms of the rate hikes we've already had and anticipated moves elsewhere by central banks, including the Fed, of course, the one everyone's watching?
2: Yeah, no, it is thank you for calling that out because we do see good strong underlying growth and we're not relying on interest rates to uh, to get us to our 10% target although clearly uh, the, the, the market projected increase in interest rates will get us there faster in fact, what we talk about and is is an incremental three percent growth on our top line in addition to the five to seven percent uh, that we can generate x the interest rate increase, which by the way is consistent with what we 've generated if we can sort of draw a line through the uh, through our performance over the past couple of years so uh, It's been a challenge to pin this one down because each time we come up with a new set of uh, of targets, interest rates have gone up a little bit further. Uh, So we we were clear in our communications this morning uh, that the the scenario that we used to make our statement about up to 8 to 10% growth, including interest rates, uh, assumed four rate hikes this year. Now, the market obviously is assuming more than that, and then more again next year. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We're not running our business for interest rates. We're running our business to optimize our operating performance. But interest rates are clearly providing a very good tailwind for us. Should these rate rises materialize?
1: Uh, Bill, we're getting a sense from central bankers that this time might be a little bit different in terms of the pace of rate hikes, and that we may see a more aggressive tightening from certain central banks. But is it different when we take a look at the interest rate sensitivity of customers? We know there's still a lot of debt from some customers. Do you think that there is a level at which mortgages, credit cards, other loans start to get impacted by interest rate rises?
2: Yeah, there's always, there's always the risk that, that interest rate rises will uh, have a material dampening effect on economic activity. Of course, part of the reason the central banks raise interest rates is to have some sort of a dampening effect on economic activity. So the idea that we could get a free pass here is, uh, is not an idea that we should entertain. But let's keep in mind as well that we still have very negative real interest rates in, uh, in most of the markets certainly in which we operate. Uh, and a return to something in the two to two and a half percent range, uh, which, would, w- w- which would be a quite a substantial increase from where we are right now. In fact, a little bit more than what the market is priced in, would just get us back to probably still a stimulative monetary policy. But I think most would say closer to neutral. So uh, we don't see a material economic impact in terms of credit losses uh, in, the, in, the, in the scenarios that we're looking at in terms of interest rates. Of course, if inflation uh, continues to, to run away, not our forecast, but if it did and we had a more, more substantial increase in interest rates, of course, we'd be looking at, at uh, the impact on the underlying economy.
1: Bill, in terms of the, the, the uh, dividend and the buyback here, I just want to get into that $750 million share buyback to start imminently. Also, the proposed final dividend uh, for 2021 of $0.09 cents per share. You've been through many banking cycles. and At this point, we're seeing incredible growth in a lot of the bank stocks at this stage, taking the focus somewhat off the, uh, the, the cash uh, handouts to shareholders here. Uh, what type of environment would you say this is in in terms of the pressure that investors are still piling on banking CEOs to hand back returns to investors?
2: Look, we, we, what we felt from our, our shareholders, what we feel ourselves, is that we need to have a balance. So we've got material shareholder returns. Where we, uh, if we can hit the financial plans that we've set out, and we have every confidence that we can, uh, we expect to return in excess of five billion dollars to shareholders over the next three years. Uh, in addition, that's that, that, sorry, including the seven hundred and fifty that we're announcing today. Now, but at the same time, uh, we are continuing to invest heavily in our business. So we will have uh, almost a doubling of, of our strategic investment and an aggregate increase in our investment that will get into the ten percent plus range from a, from a reasonably high level. Why do we invest? Uh, because our markets are growth markets. Uh, we're operating in uh, across Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Growth is good, the, the underlying business environment is good, and with some interest rate tailwind as well, uh, this is, these are markets and opportunities into which we want to invest, and our shareholders would expect us to do that. So we're balancing investment in our business with shareholder returns, and, and of course we'll continue to do that.
0: Bill, just briefly, you mentioned um, the uh, the issue of um, uh, Chinese property um, and the impairments. C- can you just flesh that out for us and just tell us what your exposure is at this point and how comfortable you are with where you are in your current level of exposure?
2: Yeah, we, we, we disclosed exposure of, of, uh, of a bit over four billion dollars. The, uh, a decent chunk of that is, is secured by high-quality property. There's an, an element that's unsecured. i they say it's the unsecured exposure that the market is more focused on. Uh, for the most part, the, the China real estate sector, and certainly the names to which we've lent, are, are, are very solvent. In other words, their, their debt as a proportion of their asset value is reasonably low. What they're facing is a liquidity crisis. And that liquidity crisis is prompted substantially by government actions uh, to just to tighten up the financial conditions around what had been a booming property sector. Uh, and we're beginning to see some easing of that tension. So some of the, the uh, large developers, including some of the ones that, that uh, we interact with, have been selling properties, typically to, uh, to state-owned companies. Uh, and, and those property sales are going through it at transaction levels that are more or less on market. So in other words, not at a deep discount. Uh, there's also a lot of the, the real estate developer cash is tied up in, in escrow accounts. And some of those escrow accounts are being uh, are being eased in basically rules by some of the local authorities within the Chinese provinces. So we see some prospect of, of an easing of the liquidity crisis. We don't see a property market collapse, which leaves us relatively optimistic that we can see through this uh, without a material impact on, uh, on the market or on creditors. That said, uh, with an abundance and out of an abundance of caution, we did take provisions in, uh, in the fourth quarter, and we took a, an extraordinary overlay uh, on top of those provisions, uh, which leaves us feeling very, very well provisioned against what could go wrong,
0: even if we remain quite hopeful that it will not go wrong. Bill, a bit of a sting in the tail on this last question. I, I know to a certain extent you are somewhat um, vulnerable to uh, the international market, but it's probably appropriate to say the stock's off 40 odd percent since you took over the helm of this business. Um, when do the shareholders get a turnaround on that story?
2: Well, I think the shareholders will get a turnaround on the story when we turn our actions into profits. Now, I'd like to think that we would get recognized in advance of the, the actual profits showing in the bottom line. Uh, I would still hope that we can generate enthusiasm. But our primary focus isn't on taking the actions that will pump up the stock price. It's rather taking the actions that will pump up our earnings and pump up our returns. And if we accomplish that, I have no doubt that the share price will follow. And I am very confident that we can, that we can accomplish that.
0: Always well, good to see you, Bill. Thanks so much for joining us and taking the questions. Bill Winters, the CEO of Standard Chartered. Uh, let's just revisit the uh, performance, shall we? Should we have a look? Go on then. Uh, this just gives you a sense of how the market is behaving around uh, Standard Chartered. We are popping up a Nestle chart here because we're just waiting on the uh, Nestle numbers, which we anticipate will trickle through in just a few moments. Uh, so are we going to hang out for these? We hang, we'll just hang out for the uh, Nestle numbers and we'll, uh, just, just to point out, we'll also talk to Schneider uh, very shortly as we uh, get results uh, from Mark Schneider, uh, the CEO of Nestle. Uh, we're also going to be speaking with Jean-Pascal uh, Trecois, who is the CEO and chairman of Schneider Electric. So, there's something about being a Schneider this morning that matters. Okay, let's have a look at these Nestle numbers and and stop monkeying around. Uh, Let's have a look at the figures. The group giving us a revenue line then at uh, 87 uh, billion Swiss franc here. The uh, group with a full year adjusted earnings per share at uh, 4 Swiss francs, 42. the uh, group uh, announcing a free cash flow line of 8.7 billion, organic growth of 7.5 percent vs. 7.1 percent. The outlook is for full year organic growth at five percent. So, perhaps a, a suggestion here that the group is expecting some of the uh, pandemic related trends just to ease going forward. I have to say, 7.5 percent organic growth for a uh, business in the consumer discretionary space is very strong the uh, group uh... let's have a look find you a few other lines here the uh, group says it expects um underlying trading operating profit margin of seventeen to seventeen and a half percent in twenty twenty two the net line in terms of profitability sixteen point nine billion swiss franc uh, Franks, the expectation was for 12.3 billion Swiss francs in the poll estimate. So the 2021 net profit line, well ahead of expectations. And clearly it, it would uh, seem, as, as we've been pointing out here, that this is one of the companies that's been a beneficiary of uh, higher spending on um, non-discretionary consumer items. And we will spend um, some more time on that, as I say, with Mark Schneider, the CEO of the business. That interview is set for 10.20 Central European time. It is a first on CNBC. Karen, it's so nice to have you back. I hope you had a good week off so far.
1: Oh, Jeff, I did. Thank you. I was navigating the slopes uh, quite different to what the CEOs are talking about this morning in terms of navigating the supply chain issues still. And I can see Mark Schneider commenting on that. Uh, still a problem for the business. But uh, let me take you to Airbus. Output numbers reported a 4% rise in full year revenue, posting a record net income of 4.2 billion euros. The French aircraft maker says it's seen recovery in its commercial as well as its defence and space businesses. This is delivering a 611 commercial aircraft in 2021 the group expects the momentum to continue this year raising its guidance and delivering targets as well as restarting dividend payments for the first time in two years so we're going to have the latest numbers and discuss that with the ceo Guillaume fari you can tune in for a first on cmc interview just after street signs today at 11am ct well coming up on the show fed minutes bring some relief to the market with signs that uh, point to smaller rate hikes At the March meeting, we'll dig into the latest from the Fed. To the latest around the U.S. Central Bank, as U.S. Treasury yields fell and stocks moved mostly higher after the Fed minutes showed caution over quick policy tightening. Investors had started to price in a half a percentage point interest rate hike from the March meeting, but now view a quarter point hike more likely. Don't forget James Bullard in recent days had lent support to that uh, bigger 50 basis point move. Now, the central bank officials agreed that surging inflation would require raising rates, but said they would be updating their policy assessments at each meeting leading some analysts to forecast a small hike at every meeting this year. Charlie Munger has called surging prices quote the biggest long-range danger probability uh, apart from a a nuclear war. Warren Buffett's right-hand man and Berkshire Hathaway's vice-chair said that inflation can cause democracies and other civilizations to die, claiming that a price hike was behind the collapse of the Roman Empire. The 98-year-old investor reiterated his disdain for cryptocurrencies, wishing they were banned in the United States. According to Munger, China was right to crack down on crypto, saying we already got a digital currency that's called a bank account. US retail sales grew 3.8% in January compared to the previous month. The jump was the biggest in 10 months and lifted sales to the highest level since records began in 1992. Year on year, it was up 13% despite consumer sentiment slumping to a decade low, Jeff.
0: Karen, thank you very much indeed for that. So isn't it interesting? Karen was reading that story about what the Fed Minutes actually told us. And what I thought was fascinating is that as I saw the commentary and the analysis coming out, uh, what I was hearing was actually a split in the interpretation of the Fed Minutes. So, yes... Arguably, the minutes showed the Fed is ready to raise rates, it is ready to shrink the balance sheet soon, but on the dovish side, the doves were arguing that it showed that the Fed is not committed to any specific policy path on rate movements and that was interpreted as a positive for risk on. So ultimately what did we get? The markets basically traded themselves to a standstill here as you got that battle between those who thought that it was hawkish and those who thought it was dovish. No doubt Jay Powell chortling away in the Fed headquarters thinking "Well, actually we'll take that, that's probably a result. But buried within those minutes was another very interesting line about an investigation into the methodology that the Fed actually uses. Don't lose sight of that. I know there's a, a lot of people who've been grumbling about whether the Fed is behind the curve and whether its flexible average inflation targeting approach is actually working or is the reason why the Fed is lagging in policy decision making at the moment. There will be a review of the process, that the Fed goes through and the way it targets inflation. Unfortunately, you're going to have to wait until 2024 for that investigation to begin. So, this is where we ended up the trading session here, which doesn't give you a lot of guidance, does it, when you think about how Asia picked up the baton and how the markets in Europe here are likely to do. What about the Treasuries? Did they give us some help? How did they react to the Federal Reserve? Well. I think you get a similar picture here. We've just slipped back below the 2% level on the 10-year note, but we're sitting there or thereabouts, aren't we? And quite frankly, similar movement as far as the uh, Treasury curve was concerned here. The battle continued between those who wanted to believe that this was a more aggressive Fed and those who thought that the fact that there was no clear definition of the path means that actually... If we get more negative data, that could cool expectations on the terminal rate. A lot of the damage, I think, on the hawkish side was done yesterday by that really punchy retail sales number, which suggests that Americans still continue to feel confident about spending in spite of some of these high inflation prints. Dollar crosses. We should probably just mention uh, the ongoing uh, on-off risk attitude to Ukraine. It seems this morning, as we think about uh, the Ukraine-Russia story, there seem to be more Western security analysts saying, we don't see any evidence of a significant pullback of troops at this stage than there were a few days ago. So the, uh, the market around the dollar, I would also venture, is... A little bit struggling for real direction here so the dollar just taking back a little on the pound uh, as far as euro dollar is concerned a bit more against the euro dollar yen we're also seeing uh, a little bit of pushback against the greenback oil is that sending us a clear signal then as to whether we are risk on or risk off this morning well these are pretty punchy moves aren't they a suggestion that the oil market still continues to remove some of that risk premium. Uh, But we are still, uh, at what many would feel as they fill up their vehicles on the way into their office or wherever they work this morning, they would still feel perhaps that these prices are still very lofty. But we're off 1.5% on WTI crude and the Brent quote also showing a similar price movement, Karen.
1: Uh, Jeff let's just refocus on that Russia Ukraine and the impact on the dollar as the greenback did move higher after Russian backed rebels in the contested Donbass region reported shelling from Ukrainian forces the report comes from RIA a Russian state-owned domestic news agency CNBC has been unable to independently confirm those claims oil extended losses on the news now RIA is also reporting that around 10 military convoys have left Crimea after drills Russia has stepped up its military presence on the Ukrainian border, contradicting earlier claims of a pullback by the country's defense ministry. That's according to Western intelligence, with a senior U.S. official telling NBC that as many as 7,000 new troops have been sent to the border in recent days. This as Estonia's intelligence chief warned, chances of a quote, limited attack are likely, while his British counterpart cited evidence of new armored vehicles, helicopters, and a field hospital in the area. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told MSNBC that America is ready for all outcomes.
2: And we continue to see uh, not only these forces mass, we continue to see um, critical units moving toward the border, not away from the border. So what we need to see is exactly the opposite. We need to see these forces moving away. Uh, we've heard what the what the Kremlin said about this. Uh, as President Biden said yesterday, we'd, we'd welcome that. But we haven't seen it on the ground. And the bottom line is this. We're prepared either way. We're prepared mm-hmm. to engage in diplomacy with Russia. If it's serious about it, we're also prepared for renewed Russian aggression.